Hello everyone, I'm Jan Orman, GP Services Consultant for the Black Dog Institute. I thought it was time we had a proper talk about my compass and I've invited one of its developers, Dr. Janine Clark, to talk to us about the My Compass program and what we can expect from it in the future. First, let me remind you what My Compass actually is. My Compass is an online CBT program that's been developed by researchers at the Black Dog Institute. Its development was funded by the Australian Federal Government and it continues to be available to users free of charge and without referral. My Compass is a lot like other online mental health treatment programs in that it is largely cognitive behaviour therapy based, with a little dash of acceptance and commitment therapy here and there. But it is also different from other Australian evidence-based programs in a number of ways. First of all, it's transdiagnostic. That means it's been developed in a way that should be useful to everyone with mild to moderate common mental health conditions, irrespective of their specific diagnosis. People with anxiety, depression and stress can all benefit from the use of the same program. Secondly, it's modular. There's no requirement to work through the program in a linear way from beginning to end, as with other programs. It offers 14 short interactive modules on subjects such as worry management and problem solving, and users can pick the modules that they see as most relevant to their own situation. Each module is divided into three bite-sized 10 to 15 minute parts with breaks between the parts to complete homework tasks. There's no sitting down and slaving over a hot computer for long periods of time required. Lastly, My Compass has a couple of extra features because of its unique ability to connect with the user's smartphone. This gives it the capacity to provide the user with a phone-based mood monitoring facility and to send encouraging messages if the user chooses to receive them. Let's hear what one user, Lucinda, has to say about My Compass. The two key benefits of My Compass for me are firstly that it is so accessible. So as long as you have internet connection, you can access it wherever you are, at, on the train station, at work, at home. And secondly, that it's really confidential. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're feeling, whatever you put into My Compass is confidential. I would really encourage anyone who's suffering in silence to give My Compass a go and see if it can make a difference in their daily lives. I can access it anywhere that I am at any time and being able to see the way that I'm feeling in real time and monitor those changes has really helped me to feel a sense of control. It's really worth having a look at My Compass yourself to see what the treatment modules have to offer. The address is www.mycompass.org.au. Recently I spoke to Dr Janine Clark, who oversees the research and national dissemination of the My Compass program, and I asked her what she was excited about for the future of My Compass. I guess um, up until now, much of the focus with My Compass has been on improving the web-based program that we currently have, which we have about 25,000 registered users, which I think is incredibly exciting. But what we've been focusing on is broadening the, the content of, of that program. So over the past 12 months, we've introduced uh, two new um, interactive modules, one for people with diabetes and one targeting 
depression in men. So that's been very exciting and we've had some nice publicity around um, those two new modules. But I guess going forward, one of the things that I'm really excited about is the development of an app version of My Compass. Um, it's still very much in its infancy stage. We're still in the process of developing prototypes. But what we're hoping to be able to do for people, again in the mild to moderate end of the spectrum, is to provide them with an app that provides them access to micro sessions of therapy. So there'll be a very quick symptom assessment or a feelings assessment and right at that point in time people will be given something really helpful for them to do. So we're combining that ecological momentary assessment aspect of my compass with real-time therapy. So we're very excited about the app. I think that's very exciting because that means all the rural people who haven't got constant access to the internet are going to be able to use my compass in a way that they can't at the moment. Absolutely and I think it's also going to speak to another broad section of the population which um, are not interested in engaging with their computers for, for e-mental health but would willingly engage with a mobile app. Certainly that, that younger section of the population who are quite appified um, I think will really respond very well to this and the thing that we really like about it and I think the differentiating factor um, or the factor that differentiates my compass, the app version from other apps that are out there, is that it does provide real-time therapy support. So people will be given something to do that reflects where they're at at that point in time. Will the app be something to replace the web-based my, my compass, or will it be sitting side by side with the web-based my compass? Look, that's a really good question, and the way we've designed the app is. It's going to be probably both of those things. Ideally, the way we see the app is at the very early stages of intervention. So if we think about a stepped care model with my compass being the first step, the app is probably beneath that. And so we will have built into the app a series of alerts so that if it appears that someone using the app needs a more intensive intervention, we'll then be referring them to my compass or their GP. But the idea is the app will be something that people can use on an ongoing basis if for a period of time they find that they need some support or they can dip in and out of as and when they, they choose. Okay, let me get this straight. So the app's more for symptom management and distress tolerance rather than the delivery of CBT in the same way that the web-based program is? Very much so. So I'm not talking about the app as being a treatment program. Um, in the way that we would talk about the current version of My Compass. That is very much a treatment program. Um, the app is going to be a self-help tool. Mm -hmm. And I guess what it'll be doing is it'll also be improving mental health literacy for a large proportion of people that might not even know that what they're experiencing are symptoms of, of common mental health problems that they can actually get some help for. But ideally, we really want this to be something with very broad application that can be used 
on its own for people in that kind of mild to moderate end or people using the current My Compass might want to also register with the app just to provide them with some reminders about the sorts of things they might find helpful at any point in time. Um, treating health professionals might recommend the app to their clients mm -hmm. because it does provide evidence-based strategies and again people sometimes need a little prompt in a situation in which they're feeling really overwhelmed or particularly stressed and it may be useful in that sense as well. So just taking the structured problem solving module of the web-based My Compass, for example, I hear from what you're saying that people are not going to have access to that kind of CBT on the app. That's correct. I think what you'll find is that most of the app will be very much acceptance and commitment therapy focused. But what we will be doing is enabling people, or certainly pointing people in the direction of My Compass. So if we give them a little goal setting exercise very quickly in the app, and they're very keen to to learn more about goal setting, we will be recommending that they have a look at the goal setting module in My Compass. So people, we will be using the app as, I guess, a launch pad for, for people who either need more help or want to learn more. Okay, so do you see a place for it as prevention? Very much so, because it's not a treatment program and because we've designed it to be uh, suitable to a very, very broad population with symptoms at the very mild end, just about anyone is going to find it useful to do and they will be able to hop in and out mm -hmm. and, and play around with the different activities. So I do think that it is potentially the case that it will play a role in prevention. I think it will play a role in increasing mental health literacy. So I, I think it's going to serve many, many purposes. Towards the end of our conversation, Janine and I talked about barriers to e-mental health uptake and the conversation inevitably turned to funding issues. I think funding is probably certainly one of the, the biggest obstacles that we are going to face going forward. Um, we're certainly going to have to find funds to support the development of, of the app um, because funding's not always assured. But I think there are, are other obstacles as well though. I mean e-mental health has revolutionised the way in which um, we can be treating common mental health problems but behaviour change doesn't occur at the same rate. And I think certainly from my experience um, even though we're doing the best we can to, to promote these programs and get them out there there are still certain sections of the population that are very reluctant to refer their patients to these new tools. And I guess it's a case of old, old habits die hard. Mm -hmm. And until people can trust that what they're doing is recommending their clients or their patients to an evidence-based tool, I, I, think, I think we're going to, to struggle. And I think until there are funding structures that kind of underlie uh, referrals to e-mental health, I, I think we're going to have mm. difficulty. Mm. To, do you think do at some point e-mental health programs may well become something that people have to pay for? Well, certainly, I mean, we're very fortunate in Australia that a number of the programs that we have are freely available to the Australian population, but that's certainly not the case everywhere. Um, 
in the US, for example, a number of programs people do have mm. to have to pay for, and that that may be a, a potential outcome of of difficulties kind of attracting mm. funding from other from other sources. I understand that in the UK and in New Zealand, some programs are publicly funded for people to use. That's right, isn't yes. it? So yes. So it's almost like if Medicare were supporting the use of yeah, mental health that, programs. Yeah, that's right. And I guess there's a there's a big role here that corporates could play. Mm -hmm. too in in funding mm -hmm. sort of development and dissemination of some of these programs given that uh, we know that the the evidence suggests that mental health problems really do impact on um, the economy mm -hmm. and the cost of business is huge mm -hmm. so there is that potential as well well that's certainly something for us all to think about thank you very much janine that was fantastic thanks for listening Remember that My Compass address, it's www.mycompass.org.au. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and look forward to talking with you next time.